Welcome to Pretty Good Business. Today we're talking about skincare for babies and for grown-ups. I had a socially distanced chat with James Jodella, founder of Skin Sapiens, about the importance of looking into the products we use and why skincare doesn't have to be complicated. We're here with James from Skin Sapiens. Thank you, James, for being here. Thank you, Alessia. It's great to be here. I mean, being here from a distance, of course. You're in Madrid, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm in Madrid. Um, uh, we have a little incubation, uh, startup incubator facility here that we're working out of. So let's start um, just understanding what Skin Sapien is. Can you talk, tell us more about it? Yeah, sure. So Skin Sapiens uh, is a new skincare brand. We make earth conscious skincare with just one goal, and that's to help you feel comfortable in your own skin. Um, so Today, the, the beauty industry is going through lots of change, um, but essentially, the, there are a lot of products which are super complex in the way that they're formulated, often oversold with some pretty meaty claims, um, and historically, packaging has been done in a really wasteful way. And we started Skin Sapiens um, with a view to turn that on its head and make it much easier to help people find uh, the right product for them and their skin. Um, so uh, we take nature's best active botanicals and we pair them with common skin concerns. And then we do absolutely everything in our power to leave out anything unnecessary, whether we're talking uh, product formulation or the packaging, um, which we, we make from recycled and recyclable materials. Um, and yeah, that's, that's us in a nutshell. So it's quite interesting. You started the brand when your son was born, right? So that was kind of the, the start of your idea. And it's quite um, rare to hear a dad story. So I really would like to you to tell us more about um, what did you think? How was the experience? And, you know, it, what pushed you to actually say, you know what, I'm going to make something that is actually better for everybody because I want something that's better for my son. Sure. Um, so I, my, my own skincare journey uh, started a long time ago. I mean, I grew up with, um, I suppose, a whole bunch of different skincare issues as I was a teenage boy. Um, so I had teenage acne and I had um, often eczema and dry skin and I used to really, really struggle. So I would find that my uh, acne products would make my eczema sting and my eczema products would make my acne break out. And little by little over time, I kind of learned through trial and error what would and wouldn't work on me and my skin. Um, and uh, I, I, I ended up going on to work for some, some of the biggest beauty companies in the world. Um, but ultimately, I was always left feeling that the industry as a whole could do a lot more to help people um, kind of get under the lid of what's really inside beauty products. And I went on, um, I suppose, fast forward a few years. And then, yeah, absolutely, I became a dad to a little baby boy called Alex. Um, and my wife's a pharmacist, and I'd spent my, my career at this point in skincare, but we still felt like the first time we lost control over what we were putting into or onto his body was was bath time. So we just spent nine months, probably like most um, slightly paranoid millennial parents, being super careful about everything that we were eating, even good vegetables, bad vegetables, um, you know, even uh, seaweed has too much iodine in it and shouldn't be eaten during pregnancy. And we had all this control over what we were eating during pregnancy, but it just it just felt so unnatural to then, come bath time, um, be washing and bathing our boy in something that we didn't understand. And I think, you know, I'd learned to live with my own, I suppose, gripes with 
the industry in, in that sense. Um, but when it came to wanting something that was good for, for my boy, that was what really pushed me to, to, to take the plunge and, and uh, make a change. Mm. So interesting because we usually think that whatever we use something that is for, for a baby or for like kids in general, it must be better for you. But that's not necessarily the case, is it? Because the list of ingredients is just as long. Yeah, and that's that's right. I mean, ultimately, there are lots, especially in the UK, in, in the UK and Europe, there are lots of consumer protections and regulation in place to, to make sure that safe products make it to market. Um, that's not always the case in other parts of the world. Um, but just because something is deemed to be clinically safe for you doesn't mean that it's necessarily right for you or your skin. Um, and... I suppose that through this process of trial and error, I used to learn what did and didn't work. And you could have something which is perfectly safe for me, but it doesn't sit well with me or my skin, right? Um, and I, perfume was a classic example. I used to, to hate putting perfumed products onto my skin because I just knew it would cause my skin to sting. And ultimately, that's because when you find perfume on an ingredients list, you just don't know what's inside it. It's, it's almost like an ingredients list inside an ingredients list, right? So I just, um, I suppose I found myself wanting to, to choose or make informed choices over what I was putting on to my boy. Um, and when I would come to find things like perfume on ingredients list, I would just struggle uh, because I knew that at that point I, I, I couldn't get further into what was really inside the product. Um, and, and ultimately, I think it's, when you look at baby skin, I mean, babies really need um, very, very simplistic care, I think, and, you know, uh, in normal circumstances. And in fact, actually, baby skin is going through lots of changes in the early weeks of life. And all we really need to do at that stage is keep keep them clean and, and, and hydrated um, and protected from all the outside world that they're, they're getting used to, right? Um, and everything that's more complex than that is is almost unnecessary um, and more likely to cause an issue than, than anything else. So that's why we wanted to, to strip things back and, and do things in a different way. Yeah. So you you are a medical engineer, right? So you and you worked in, in the beauty industry for quite a long time, as you said, and I didn't know, but apparently your wife is a pharmacist as well. So do you think that both your backgrounds really helped when you when you not really when you when you decide to make something in your kitchen to use on your boy, but when you decided that this was going to be more than just something that you were using for yourself, but something that you were trying to market as well? Or do you think that your background actually helped you know what not to do more than what to do? That's a good question. I think in reality, it's probably a bit of both, right? So my, my, I graduated in, in medical engineering and, and that was all focused on product design, development, materials, um, how to create even a specification for what you want to create um, you know, before you started that process. So that I think was a great um, sort of founding in, in education for creating new things. But actually, I mean, I had a little social uh, enterprise, a little charitable business when I was at university, and that was, was my passion. I spent more time doing that than I did my studies even. And I, I, I was left feeling while I was kind of doing all this stuff on my own and having a crack at things that I was almost reinventing the wheel. So I, I, I did. I, I went off looking for great experience and I worked for, for, for some of the biggest um, beauty companies in the world. And I, over a period of sort of more than 10 years, um, ended up moving into smaller and smaller beauty businesses, ultimately with the, the goal of, of, of learning how to, to, to bring products to market. Um, and, and it's very different when you're a huge kind of multinational to when you're a, a startup like we are today. Um, 
but yeah, I think that experience has been has been invaluable. I, I still wouldn't say that it means you have all the answers though, right? Um, I think you, it's almost humbling. I think the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn. Um, mm. I, I, we're still learning by trial and error. Uh, yes, we've got, you know, education and experience and things like that that, that help. But I, um, I, I really am one for, for looking, looking for help and, and recognizing where we need it, um, whether that's on our formulations or packaging and bringing in, bringing in the, the right people to, to contribute to something greater than, than just what you can do on your own. So you you designed and you created the first product, the bomb for babies um, in your kitchen, right? And then That's now right, you yeah. and now you are using a lab in in Sweden. So can you tell us more about how how did you come up with the first product, and how then you found found the the people you you trust to make the the other ones? Yeah, totally. So it's it was it was. Um... A kind of step-by-step process not not that I was clear on what all those steps would be at the beginning to be honest I, I initially I just said right this doesn't feel right I want a different solution I want to put something onto my boy that I know will I, you know I know what's going into it I know uh, why it's good for him and and to leave it at that not to to go beyond that point right um and I, I set out with a mission to create one uh, bottom you know navy uh, baby bottom balm uh, which would be great for him and his skin and we we I, I did a lot of research online. Uh, I started with um, even scientific literature reviews to, to look at basically what what are nature's best botanicals and which which natural ingredients are scientifically proven to have benefits, and almost treat that as the starting place for for what we wanted in our products. And then said, well, okay, if that's what we want in our product, what can we do to to make sure that as little else as possible goes in to just deliver the good stuff? Um, and it was a lot of trial and error, like burnt pans uh, in mm-hmm. the kitchen and uh, I wouldn't say arguments, but um, irritation uh, with my wife in terms of what I was do- <laughs> doing doing in the kitchen. And ultimately, I think I, we, we, over a number of weeks and months, created a really lovely uh, natural and vegan um, balm, which I use first on myself. Um, for, I, I, I still occasionally am prone to little patches of eczema and I, I, I used to use that to prevent them. Um, uh, then on, on, on my wife and, and on, on Alex and essentially we were, we were happy and we thought, right, we've, we've done it for one product, but one product isn't, isn't the vision. What we want to do is, is create skincare which puts people back in control of what they're putting on their skin, whatever your age or your gender. Um, and, and the vision ultimately was for something bigger. And, uh, but the process of trying to do it myself, I think showed me where the limitations were. Um, and ultimately I we created something that was nice. Uh, it wasn't particularly scalable. Um, and I, I, I think I could still see the quality limitations and, and I decided I, I, I did need help. And that started the process to, to, to find the right laboratory partners, um, team of chemists who could, could really work with us on what we wanted to create and, and make it into something bigger. Uh, and that that was a process of, of of journey. I mean, I literally traveled across Europe um, to Italy and UK and Spain and Sweden, looking for the right lab. And it had to be uh, the right sort of partner because not everybody wants to work with a brand new startup that's unproven. Um, a, there's a lot of collaboration that goes into something like that. And uh, you know, one, you're looking for the right partner for you, but you also have to be the right partner for them. And um, beyond just the credentials for how, how, how good are these people at helping me formulate, but, 
but how do they make it? What is this you know, lab setup like? How's the production line in it? Are they using renewable energy? All that kind of stuff. Like it, it was, it was a long process, um, but eventually we did, we did found, uh, we did find an, an awesome um, laboratory in in Sweden who are experts in uh, vegan formulations. And uh, yeah, I suppose with their help, we we were able to evolve our range from from that first uh, bomb to to a range of six products um, for for all skin types and ages. When did you think, oh, you know what, this could really be a business and not just something that we need for ourselves? That's a good question. I think it's it's actually fairly easy to place this one. So I think often when you're creating something, right, you have a hunch and you believe that you know what to be true. And that's you. But, but ultimately, we all have our own little views on the world. Um, and until you start speaking to other people, you, you, you don't know whether it's just yourself that has these issues uh, and concerns or whether it's part of a bigger thing. Um, so after I had this hunch of, you know, I want more control, I have this control over what I'm eating, why shouldn't I have this control over what I'm putting on my skin? I wanted to understand, you know, is it just me that's kind of, you know, slightly crazy and, and concerned about this stuff or, or is there something bigger out there? And I set out to do some research and uh, we did some consumer surveys and we did uh, focus groups. Um, and ultimately from that process, we, we learned that, effectively nine nine and ten people don't uh, truly understand what's in the products that they're, they're putting onto their bodies um just as many people would would like to know more if it was made easy um i think if it's made easy is to keep it because not everyone wants to go and do a chemist uh sort of chemistry degree to be able to learn uh, their skincare right and um and ultimately i i think um when you look at at, at what's important to people i i think less and less uh, with the way that media is today, I think less and less it's about marketing claims and media and what you see on TV and more and more about authenticity and understanding what's in a product. And all of that came through in the research. And at that point, I felt like, do you know what? There, there's enough here. There's there's my gut feeling and I feel like it's supported out there. I feel like there's there's a need for this. And at that point, um, it, became, it became a commitment. I was like, right, we're, we're going to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I think now people have such a better understanding of how advertising works that I think small brands can really have um, a better shot of being noticed and being chosen because, you know, people don't really trust advertising anymore as we maybe did before. Not even trust, but just kind of consider it. Like we know what it is and we know that we can't really trust it, even when it's in a magazine, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I think I think that's true. I, I just think we've almost been, it hurts not necessarily the right word, but I think we've become a little bit jaded, I think, um, probably at a global level to seeing images over decades of flawless skin, which you then learn actually wasn't flawless or super long lashes that weren't really super long. And I think, um, I think we're all a little bit wiser to that. Um, and I think in the beauty industry, you're already seeing that the consequences of that, which is, um, you know, the emergence of, of ingredient-led skincare as, as a trend in its own right, which is actually, let's talk about the ingredient, uh, the hero ingredient, the active ingredients that are in products rather than necessarily so much the marketing claims. Um, and I think that's, I, I, I think one is the consequence of the other, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. So you did kind of believe in the business straight away because you sold your flat in London. 
and yeah. decided to put everything on it. So what gave you the courage and why did you believe in it so much? Because it, it sounds quite scary to do that. Do you know what? I'd love to say it wasn't scary. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and make myself out to be some like tough, tough like visionary, but that's not the case. Honestly, it was really scary. Yeah. Do you know what? I just thought I'd spent so long working for other people and I have no issue working for other people, but working for other people and, and giving my all uh, to try and help people succeed with their businesses. And I just thought, do you know what? That it's time to, to make that same commitment to myself and um, to my family. And, and, and not just that, right, but, but to, this, to this, what ultimately I think is an unmet need of, of, of control within skincare. And I just thought, you know, it's almost like a now, now or never and decided, yeah, that, that I had to take the leap. And this maybe isn't the most entrepreneurial thing. I think they always often say, you know, that your first money when you're starting a business comes from uh, your friends and family. Um, but I just felt like if I believe in this enough, I should put myself on the line first before going to my friends and family and, and do what I can to take the brand that we're trying to create as, as far forward as I could um, on my own two feet before before then looking for, for outside help. Um, and partly that came from, you know, when I started the journey, I honestly, I believed in the potential, but I, I just didn't know if I would even be able to get a product to market. Um, would, when I tried to take this concept for, for, for natural simplicity from one product to six or more, like, would I be able to do it? Or would I find some stumbling blocks um, trying to leave perfume out of products? Like, is it really going to work? Can I, can I manage it or is it all going to smell terrible? Um, like those sort of questions, I just didn't have answered. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to answer them um before um asking other people to take a, a bit on it with me I, I think if that makes any sense absolutely just is really courageous to do that you know when a, when because there is so much into it it's not just the product the product can, can be amazing but then there is the marketing and the name and the packaging and everything else that goes with it you need to think about and you never know really if it's going to work but it's going well for you so it's great <laughs> yeah I, I do you know what i honestly i used to i used to sit there at the beginning of this journey like it's it's almost what well, it is more than three years ago since the idea um and and i i used to sit there and feel totally daunted if i looked at the end and what i was trying to achieve and where i was and the fact that there was so much to do and i even recognized that there was stuff i needed to do that i didn't even know that i needed to do like stuff that i would learn that we need to do in the future, which which wasn't even on my horizon of of, of challenges, right? And um, to try and get over that fear, I I I mean, like really super basic stuff, like learning to control your 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 fears a little bit in terms of like meditation and daily, like setting out your intention for what you want to achieve, and um, even even just taking what I suppose looked like a, a mountain that, that that had to be climbed, and we're still climbing, right? But taking that and breaking it down into individual challenges like right okay can i find somebody who can make me these products um once i find that person can they help me with my formulation um, ambitions to to create this product and, and will it still be different by the time we finish this process and, and bit by bit regulatory what do i need to do to that and and, and almost break it into bite-sized chunks um and when i did that and i just focused on one little chunk at a time the kind of the fear dissipates you just get stuck into the challenge right and then and then it's almost like i suppose running a marathon or something you like you, you or climbing a mountain right you look back and you think wow I've, I've done all that but i wasn't doing all of that in one go i was doing it in, in little bite-sized chunks and honestly that that was what i used to help manage uh what was otherwise i suppose a potentially scary scary journey how how was the process when it, you when you decided this is going to be a business where did you start at the same time that we were trying to overcome 
formulation challenges, I also wanted to do our packaging in a different way. Um, so there are a whole set of technical challenges associated with um, ultimately, you know, what would be the, the most um, environmentally friendly packaging that we could create and how do we go about creating it? So there were, I suppose, lots of challenges. And I felt like if I waited to complete one in isolations before uh, starting the next, I, I, I would probably still be working on it now, right? So I had to, to, to do certain things in parallel. So we set off looking for um, the right, I suppose, design agency who could who could help me creatively bring to life what I, I wanted um, to to do. And I'm not, I, I, have, I haven't got an artistic bone in my body, right? So I can kind of, I can see what I like and I, I'm, I'm able to communicate that, but I'm, I, I couldn't sit down and, and, and draw what I wanted myself. So I knew that I needed help there and, and we set off and, and we're really fortunate to find an, an awesome uh, design partner and agency called Lewis Mobley in, in London who, who we work with. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, we, we did that, but we did the lab, the lab work uh, in parallel. Uh, and if we didn't, it would have just taken too long. You now have come to the point that you're sold in Selfridges, which must be really excited for you. So how does it feel to see your product, like a bit of your baby, um, unfold and and see it in on Selfridges' website? It's, it's a bit of like a pinch me moment, right? So um, I have like a long um, personal collection, even just the Selfridges, uh, as a store so my dad growing up in a Scottish Italian family in, in London my my grandmother used to take my dad on the bus when he was a little boy to to Selfridges food hall as a treat like that was the weekend treat like taking him for a sandwich there and it was seen as like the stamp of quality and luxury right so I've always seen that and it's always been held in that kind of esteem within our family so to to, to then create something and see it go onto the shelves um and we're currently in, in Selfridges as part of the Project Earth um, Beauty Collection and the Bright New Things edit. It's it was it was it was, it was a really nice moment. Um, at the same time, I, I'm totally aware that we're still really early on in our journey. We still only have six products today. Uh, we we brought those to market in January this year. We've been in the product in the market for you know less than a year. Um, we have a vision for for what that will evolve to become like in in the next twelve months. Um, and and which which still super early days and um but it's it's definitely moving in the right direction and and yeah just a mixture of pride but also uh, gathering new energy or it gives you the energy to say right look this is happening we're going to make it happen uh keep going so uh, what did you learn during the process of building a sustainable business because it's very different from building a normal traditional business because you have to think about so much more when you really want to be sustainable i think what i've learned most uh, tackle, tackling the, the challenges of, of creating a sustainable business um, is that the, often the first answer isn't the right answer or the whole answer so i think sustainability is actually something that's incredibly complex um, when we're talking about true sustainability it needs to be you know uh, economic social environmental um, and when you have all of these different elements of daily life interconnecting and connecting with nature and the world and often you change one thing or you do one thing and it has an impact somewhere else and you see that in natural ecosystems and it's, it's the same with with today's society so um my my learning is that often you, you do need to take the time if you want to do something in a sustainable way to to look at all the different options um sometimes dodge some of the greenwashing which is which is which is around um and i think often that's well placed but sometimes um not particularly helpful uh to, to mm -hmm. cut through 
what's a green message? What's a green, clean message? And, and what's authentic? What's genuinely better for the world? Um, when, when we started this process, I, I went to packaging fairs, like cosmetics uh, packaging fairs, and you get all these industry leaders turning up with uh, their catalogs, what they can do and uh, what they're working on. And, and three years ago, there was nobody really talking about uh, recycled or recyclable materials. Recyclable, yes. Re- made from recycled, no. Mm-hmm. And I was like left really uh, almost shocked right, that I was at this fair of, of global leaders and unable to have a real conversation about recycled content unless I was willing to sign up to hundreds of thousands of units and, and you know, be a multinational, which, which I wasn't. So interestingly, the, the following year I went back and I did, I, I did find a couple of gems at that fair of people who we've since gone on to work with. But I, I did find um, that the year I, I went back here after everyone was suddenly, it was like there was almost a transformation taking place within mm-hmm. the industry. And suddenly everyone, like you, every stand you walk past had some kind of green claim, um, whether it was bioplastics or compostable plastics or, or whatever it was, right? So glass and, and anti-plastic, like but a whole load of messages. But when I was then having conversations, often the, the real detail behind why that was a better choice wasn't still there yet. It was still almost like the, the industry was trying to react to, to suddenly this hugely growing consumer demand for sustainable product, mm-hmm. but without necessarily having all the answers. Um, and I, honestly, I do think it's, it's complex. So as an example, like I, I think um, plastic free is, has become um, a bit of a buzzword and I'm probably going to be unpopular for saying it, but um, it's not, it's not everything. Plastic free isn't everything. Like we are totally against single use plastics. Like we, we don't use any single use plastic in anything that we make because mm. plastic is designed to last for a hugely long time. Why um, make something from that if it's designed to be used in an instant? That just doesn't doesn't sit well with me. And we so we, we don't use it. There's no cellophane wraps in our products. We don't have uh, plastic seals or locks. That kind of stuff. It's just we just said okay, there's a trade off. We remove it. No bubble wrap in in that e-commerce packaging. All that kind of stuff. You then um, look at actually we, we share the world with about eight billion tons of plastic. But if you start to make stuff out of other people's plastic waste, it's not waste anymore. Um, so so rather than concern ourselves 100% about is it plastic or glass, for example, we um, spend a lot of time looking at where that materials come from. So our, our bottles for our baby lotion and our baby bath gel are made from 100% recycled British drinks bottles, for example. Um, and ultimately, if we're, if we're recycling stuff, but then not making stuff out of that recycled material, we're kind of wasting our time. So um, that's our, our view on it, right? But I think it just underlines how, how complex um, sustainability can be. And that's not to say don't do it. It just means we all need to be considered and, and think hard about how we can, how we can help both as consumers and businesses and governments and um, to move move the agenda forward. Absolutely. There is a, I think because every, all the products that come with a, an organic and sustainable tag on them, or like they, they instantly are more expensive and, you know, they, it's, it's, it's starting to become really a marketing ploy now. And there is so much greenwashing, as you said, that it's really hard to cut through the noise and actually understand which brands are really doing their part so it is odd but do you still do you think that there is space for more sustainable brands because of course a lot of brands have gone sustainable not really but they kind of have trying to to market themselves as sustainable so do you think that there is space for more actually sustainable brands that want to 
when I get to the market and maybe they don't have the surely they don't have the the the, 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 the you know the financial stability of a big brand do you think it's still possible I do and in fact I'd almost turn it on its head and I'd say like do, do you think there's a future for launching brands which are unsustainable um in over the next 10 years I mean I think it's such um the tide has changed so significantly that I I hope honestly I hope that our you know our recycle and recyclable packaging I hope that's not even an interesting point to talk about in five years or 10 mm-hmm. years right I hope that 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 is the norm um and I you know even there are things like the European um plastic strategy for 2030 is to ultimately end up in this sort of territory that we're talking about so I I do I think honestly it's become a hygiene factor um if you're trying to create a consumer brand um which um which which fits into the way that people want to live their lives I just I think it's something you can't you, you can't afford to not look at so um I would say yes uh, absolutely that there, there is I think there's always room for new and innovation and I think that all of that innovation ultimately even if sustainability isn't the differentiating point, I think it has to be there as, as um, just just to be right. Like I would almost kind of challenge, I challenged myself right in that respect. I was like, well, I've worked for other brands and we've sold hundreds of thousands of units or millions of units of product and we've, we hadn't had conversations about um, at the time uh, yeah, sustainable packaging. And it was a case of, um, I, I don't want to contribute more to that problem. In fact, I want to do the opposite. I want to, I want to try and help with it. I just think... Um, business and entrepreneurship and it, has, it can be such a force for good um i i think mm-hmm. if you're going to put all this energy into creating something new um it, it it just makes sense to to make it into to something which which has a greater purpose for 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 a, you know leaving a better future for alex and i now have a baby daughter called alma and i, I want them right to grow up into a, into a better world so i i, I think sustainability is sustainable brands are the only are the only brands of the future. So, yeah, staying on the on the market kind of um, area, you, as we said, organic and sustainable products usually tend to come with a higher price tag, but your products are still very accessible. So is this something that's very important for you? Is this something that you really thought about when you thought about how to market your products and how you how do you price your products? I thought, and I do think a lot about it, and... Um, Maybe I'm I'm making a mistake in doing what we're doing, but ultimately, I, I we set out with a vision to to help people make better choices for their skin and the planet. And my view on it is, if we if we then do that, but we make whatever we've created uh, so exclusive that only a very small proportion of the population can, can afford to to buy us, we're not really solving anything. And I think it's easy to be sustainable when you're luxury, when there are huge margins. I think what we need is sustainable everyday products. Um, I think when you can achieve that, that's when you're starting to have not just a token um, marketing claim of you know sustainable, but actually sustainable that that generates impact. And that that's why we've we've tried to, to price our products as fairly as as possible. At the same time, it, it is more costly, unfortunately, today to make packaging and recycled material than from virgin material. It doesn't make sense. Like, why should something that's no. already lying around as waste be more expensive to use than something that has to be pulled out of the ground when it comes to plastic, right? Absolutely. Um, so that, that just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. But that's, that's the, lie, the, the lie of the land right now. So mm. it is more expensive. Again, if you want to certify your products as being natural organic rather than just claiming them to be, um, 
that narrows down the number of suppliers uh, who also have to be certified and, and that ultimately dries up your cost. Um, so there are there are higher to be fair to 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 other brands there, there are higher costs associated um, in today's world with with being both natural, organic, sustainable. But I, I think um, not so not so high that you should then be um, pricing everybody out. So we we try to effectively shoulder as much of that as we can and um, price products at, at a level which we think is fair for good, honest, upfront skincare. Mm, absolutely, and I mean in the long run, you know there are products like especially the baby products, you're going to use loads of it when you have a baby. So if it's too expensive, then you, you, you're going to lose a big part of that possible, you know, customers. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right in the sense that ultimately um, not only the, the, the more affordable your products, the better the, the impact if it's a, a, an environmentally positive swap for a less environmentally friendly product. But also, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right, like uh, potentially a bigger, a bigger market um, and a, a bigger opportunity, right, financially. But, but it, does, it does present the, the, the upfront challenges of, okay, you've got more expensive mm-hmm. products and you're, you're trying to hit uh, cheaper prices. But that's, that's the challenge that we, we've taken on. Um, because otherwise, as I said, it would, it would just be creating sustainable luxury. And I, I think that sustainability and luxury are kind of like oxymorons. They don't go together. Luxury is things that aren't necessity and, and sustainability we need for the future. So uh, I suppose we've, we've set our, our, our pricing from a, where do we want to be rather than just looking at the, the here and now and, and what it costs to make the products. So how do you see the future of the company from now on? So, I mean, Ultimately, we, we're super new. So we're, we're less than a year old. Um, we've got big ambitions. And I want to put people back in control of what they're putting on their skin, no matter age, race, gender. And we've only got six products at the moment. So I think there's, in, in fulfilling our mission and delivering on that purpose, we've we've got a long way to go in creating new products. So we're, we're busy working away with our lab on, okay, we've got six products, but what are the next six going to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and what skincare challenges and and uh, we talked about sustainability but what, what real day-to-day challenges that people face can we help with great natural botanicals um and and that's what we're working on so we're, we're really excited about uh, 2021 and the, the new things that we're going to be bringing uh, to the range to help us expand expand that vision absolutely about um growth but not just you know growth as a business growing into our vision from from where we are today as an as an indie indie beauty brand you have six products that you said so which one is your not favorite but which one are you the most proud of that's so funny like it is you are asking favorite really it's like it's like it's like asking <laughs> um someone to pick their favorite child it's like it's super, it's so hard when um i mean ultimately like a lot of time and 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 love and attention goes into each each product creation but that said i if i had if you absolutely like force me to to pick one or two like so our our baby balm we we actually adapted the same balm uh format and we we put it in a lip balm tube and i literally i carry it around everywhere with me like the weather's just turned cold here and i go out running in the mornings and my lips uh would be chapped and i i, I honestly it's just such a great um i mean i'm totally biased but it's, I, I i love it right and it's my like go-to daily daily balm um it's a natural vegan balm so um often you find that um Balms, particularly the balms, would be either natural or vegan. So natural um, made from, it could be beeswax or lanolin, which are ultimately animal derivatives, but not suitable for vegans, or vegan, but Mm. petroleum derivatives like mineral type uh, non-natural products. And and this balm, we've managed to combine um, natural vegetable oils, like uh, 
olive and avocado oil and uh, calendula with the wax from uh, berry skins to to create the consistency that we want and it's um so I'm, I'm i'm proud of that product almost as an evolution of the the original product that we we first created and then also the like our face cream i is is it's like the product that i always wish i had when i was growing up as that teenage boy with with this like skin issues of what's the right moisturizing cream for for my face when i had both acne and, and eczema and, and the the it's just a great everyday uh hydrating formula we don't claim to uh, remove wrinkles or anything like that. It's just it's your everyday go-to uh, hydrating face cream, and that's um, again, it's 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 good for both skin types, and I, I I use it obviously daily. But so bias, and if I had to choose two, those would be those would be it. So I feel like you had such a change in your life when you started the business. You moved um, and everything else. So what makes you happy to work every day now? And do you feel like your life? you know, your work-life balance is better because you're so invested in your in your project? I wouldn't say that my work-life balance is necessarily better, right? It, and that's the funny thing. Like I set this up off the back of wanting better for my son. And actually, if there's anything that keeps me out of the house, being committed to, to, to the business and all that's required to get that going, um, I'm probably working more than ever, to be honest. But it's different, I think, when when you're totally committed to what it is that you're trying to create. Yes, it's my, my business and Yes, I want it to continue to be a, a you know a long term sustainable skincare brand, but ultimately it's also like a, a passion. And mm-hmm. seeing it become reality and spotting it on the shelves of Selfridges for the first time, and like that is it's just it's so exciting. And I just I can't imagine uh, doing anything else uh, right now. To be honest, I just I want to I want to keep pushing this in the direction that I believe it can go, and to um, to create vision that we that we have for the brand so i it's almost self-fulfilling like you i think when you're that committed you're that involved in something you just you just it's almost like you've got blinkers on right you want to you just want to see it see it through mm. um uh, yeah but I, I i think life balance I, I don't know if that's necessarily the right word but i think when you're when you're working on something that you care about you don't mind so much so what's one advice that you would give a business owner or a wannabe business owner uh, the ones that create a sustainable business. Anything that you wish you knew when you started? I would just say ask for help really early. I think back to the point of sustainability is 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 a complex issue. So don't try and solve it all on your own. I think we all need to build on each other's learning. And if people come along and say, Do you know what, that's the right packaging strategy. I want that strategy uh, for my brand. Well, great, right? Like, uh, I, I mean, I, I think we need to help each other, even as indie businesses, to to share learning and to move forward. So I would say ask people in your circle for help. If you don't have the right people, just even be be brave and, and get in touch with people that, you, that you, you see doing the right sorts of things or things that are of interest and, and get support. Because if not, it's just so easy to fall into either traps of, could be suppliers, marketing messages, or generally, I think you need to be, you need to be able to have a vision on what what sustainability is for you and to land on that I think it helps to speak to lots of different people there are also organizations like the Ellen MacArthur Foundation who are championing circularity as as a form of sustainability so the idea of reduce reuse recycle and that something's not wasted if until it's till it's wasted like if you're using it again it's not waste and bodies like that are also doing huge works to help businesses of all sizes make better choices so I would check out some of the, some of those resources too yeah, and in general, I think the sustainable business owners are usually very open and ready to help way more than business owners 10 years ago. I think now there is a really this 
great. Everybody wants to help and share knowledge because the the goal is ultimately to make a better and more sustainable world. So yeah, I think it's actually sometimes we think that people don't want to help us, but actually I've noticed that in the sustainable business landscape at least people are very very open i think that's totally right and and ultimately like we have our, our purpose and what we want to achieve and one way of me achieving that is through skin sapiens and what we want to achieve with our brand but if i can help other brands achieve our goal we're, we're still doing creating the change that we want to see in in the world right so and i also think even sustainability aside just in general i think there's often um really great little communities of indie brands and brand owners who are all facing similar struggles and challenges who who often chip in and, and help out. And I've seen that and I've received help um, from other great indie brand owners. And, and I think you have to kind of pay back in kind. And, and there are there are great little communities of, of startups and indie brands that ultimately um, can do a lot for each other, I think. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, James. That was super interesting. And tell us where we can find Skin Sapiens. Yeah, thank you so much. For, it was lovely to chat. And uh, so Skin Sapiens, you can find us on skinsapiens.com. We have our Insta, so at Skin Sapiens, and uh, Selfridges. So pop on selfridges.com. And if you search for Skin Sapiens, you'll find us in the vegan edit uh, within their Project Earth Beauty initiative. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. That was our interview with James. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to James for sharing his tips and tricks with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it, share it, and leave us a review. It really helps. You can follow us at prettyslow.life on Instagram and prettyslowlife on all other platforms. Thank you and goodbye.